Welcome back to another episode of the Health on 10 podcast with Angie Stasny and myself, Alex Krenitz. Today's episode is going to be all about dairy, dairy consumption. Is it good? Is it bad? It's been one of those things as of late in the last 10 years that people kind of stay away from. You're seeing a lot of these plant-based milks. I call them like nut juices, really. That sounds awful, but they're not milks. It's like almond milk, cashew milk. And not that these are bad, but it's taking away from our dairy consumption. And I want to, we want to talk about, should you be staying away from dairy or should we actually be eating more of it? And do you want to talk about some of the reasons why people don't like dairy and why some, some people should be staying away from it? Well, I think that a big reason why people are avoiding it is because of the carbohydrate content. Like when you look at milk. Sugar. Yeah. And so the low carb craze and the keto craze, um, there's also like ethical reasons. I think some people do it because they don't like the way the animals are handled on the farms or the hormones that they use to help with milk production. And then there is definitely an increase in people that have allergies to milk or they have food sensitivities, which is a little bit different. Uh, food sensitivities are, are not as severe as allergies, uh, but that's, that's definitely being recognized more. Um, so I, I think there's some valid reasons why people might not want to drink milk. Um, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions as well, though, um, so I, I'm wondering what you thought about what, how, how are you feeling about the topic? Yeah, well, milk in my life, it's never been something that I drank a ton of. I like milk. Actually, growing up, all my mom ever bought was skim milk. And now we're finding that, that maybe that's not what we want to drink if we're going to drink milk. Um, I've never had a problem with dairy. Never. I, I know a lot of people that have problems with dairy that have allergies or lactose intolerance and those people by all means stay away from it like that your 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 body doesn't respond well to it you shouldn't have you shouldn't have it you there's no reason for you to be consuming it if you're reacting to it if your gut doesn't like it but for me I don't have a problem with it I, I digest it really well and I look at it after doing all this research, it is one of the best sources of complete protein on the planet. You know, we find all nine amino acids in there, essential amino acids. There's nine of them, right? I believe so. Yes. <laughs> and it is just a very bioavailable source of protein. And when I say bioavailable, I mean the body can break down and absorb it very easily. And I, as I've talked about in the past, some plants are not super bioavailable. doesn't mean they're bad, but a lot of milk, dairy, and, and animal products, you can absorb those so, so easily. And especially like a whey isolate, which comes from, from dairy and milk. That's kind of a protein powder you find. Your body will suck that up. So I personally like milk, and I think the more research you and I have done, it just validates our point that if you don't have a lactose problem, if you're not allergic to it, you should be drinking more of it. 
or not not I don't I don't want to say more of it, but I don't we shouldn't shy away from it. You shouldn't go and go with the trend and start drinking more almond milk. Not that almond milk's bad, but it is expensive and it's it's almost nothing when it comes to nutrients. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's good for you. You yeah, know, it's, it's it, a lot of um the almond milks are laden with um highly processed sugars and they have a lot of preservatives in them. So I, I'm super picky. I mean, I do drink almond milk because I like the taste in my smoothie. That's just me. I just like the taste. Yeah. I'm not doing it for any health benefit, but I found one brand that literally just has almonds in it, nothing else. Um, so I picked that brand. But you have to be super careful when you're looking at all these milk alternatives um, to make sure that you're not just – Ending up with another ultra-processed food, which is what I see a lot of. Like things like rice milk or soy milk. Mm-hmm. Just all, all of those them. That they are all, they take something that's like kind of a nice idea and they turn it into something really bad for you. Yeah. And how about you? Like are you – is your family always been big milk drinkers? Yeah. So I grew up drinking milk and – a funny story is my mom, we had seven kids, and we would go to the grocery store and we'd get 12 gallons of milk. She would send my brother and I with a cart to get the 12 gallons of milk, and they would stop us, and they'd be like, what are you doing? So, yeah, I grew up on milk. So here's my take on it. I don't care if you ever drink milk again in your life, but I think fermented forms of milk have so many benefits to them. When you're looking at kefir, when you're looking at Greek yogurt or, you know, any type of yogurt, but um, cheeses also. uh, That's where I think that if you're going to make a choice and you want to get your the sugar down, it's going to be lower sugar. Um, And I think that you really need to uh, keep those healthy fats. Don't go with the skim and don't go with the zero percent fat. There's some people that talk about, well, you know, there's toxins that collect in the fat of the animal. Yeah. And that's why they're kind of against the full fat. And that's a valid concern. So you might want to go middle and just do a 2% or something like that if, you, if you're concerned about that. Personally, I think that if you have a healthy detoxification system in your body, if your liver's working properly, if, you, you know, if you're eating lots of healthy antioxidants and things like that, I don't think you have to worry about that factor as much. Um, and I think the benefits, when you look at like fat-soluble vitamins and the way that you need that to absorb calcium, K2. K2, yeah. K2 is like, people don't even know about K2. And basically, you know, it's, it's a huge factor for gut health and also for the utilization of really getting calcium into the bones. So if we're just absorbing calcium and it's not, it's being circulated and you don't have the right nutrition profile, that can lead to calcification of your soft tissue like your heart. And that's really one of the biggest parts of heart disease. So, you know, calcium supplementation on its own versus natural forms of calcium that are in milk that have the K2 and have the other fat-soluble vitamins is where it's at. That's that's where you want to be. And I actually heard that we as Americans are we're not really low in K one, but we're very low in K two, and I, I would associate that with this probably decline in dairy consumption. 
that's probably a big reason for it. So the more dairy you can get. And again, not like you need a ton of it, but just a little bit a day. It's going to help with K2. Where else can you find K2? Is it Natto, which Natto, remember? Oh, Natto, Natto. Yeah, the (laughs) fermented soybeans. And I have never tried that. I've read about it. Um, Seaweed, I believe. I'm kind of going off the cuff because I... um, I'm not like up on my K2 sources at yeah, right at this so moment. Impressive that you <laughs> Sorry. <got it. laughs> no. um, I'm not thinking about it, but um, yeah, but I think that if you can't get it in your diet, it's really important to supplement it. A lot of times I see people with low vitamin D levels and they can't raise them. So K2 is also produced by the gut microbiome. And so if you're not, if you have imbalances, you may need to supplement. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, if, and especially if you can't have dairy, then what are you going to do? You know, so you might need to supplement at some point. But um, for the people that have intolerances, what I find extremely interesting, I met a young man whose family owned a, a huge dairy operation, and he couldn't drink milk um, that was pasteurized, but he, he could drink raw milk. And so I'm a big proponent of raw milk. And I know everyone out there saying right now, oh, that's terrible, and it's got all these bacteria in it. And really, honestly, they have not been able to identify any deaths related to raw milk. Uh, there's there's a certain kind of um, cheese that, that's popular with Hispanics. It's called queso fresco. And the way they make it when they make it homemade, it has the, the risk factor of, causing foodborne illness so those are really some of the ways that that there have been outbreaks but they say that 24 percent of of pasteurized milk has significant pathogens in it for foodborne illness so um, the raw milk has enzymes in it that actually protect those bacteria from growing you know they're protecting the milk Mm -hmm. and inhibiting the growth of those dangerous pathogens. So if you are going to try raw milk, I would say make sure it's local and make sure it's from a reputable person that's been handling it properly. And you want to for sure have like a grass-fed cow because they've shown in studies that grass-fed uh, cows, they, you're, they are less likely to have those harmful pathogens they're just like us. If the animal is compromised, it's more likely to have bacteria imbalances, right? It's more likely to be sickly. So that's where, you know, you want to just make sure you're getting it from a reputable source. Yeah, and not only that is with grass-fed is you're getting such a better fatty acid profile. Amen to that, you yeah. You know, omega-3s, we're so low in omega-3s here in the United States. We're there's omega threes, omega six, omega nines. Omega sixes are found abundantly in almost everything we eat in the American diet, and omega threes are so low. And one of the things I found, I I heard that I thought was super interesting, is yes, our American diet is so high in omega sixes. So we, a lot of people that are, are interested in getting healthy, they'll start to supplement with omega threes. However, if you're eating 
the omega-3s and the omega-6s will compete against each other on which one we're going to use in the cell, correct? And so if you're getting more omega-6s than omega-3s, then you're not really getting any benefits of omega-3s. Yeah, that's where inflammation really comes in is when you don't have the right fatty acid profile. They're not balanced. Yeah, and and so soybeans are not, you know, we kind of villainize soybeans, but they're not bad. It's just that our diet is so heavy in soybean. I mean, if you look, it's the number one ingredient mm -hmm. in most processed foods. So you're just getting way too much of it. Right, um, well, and you're not talking about, we're not even talking about soybeans that are from like, Asia. We're talking about American grown soybeans sprayed yeah. to the max. And with... even the unfortunately when they make the soybean oil, they raise it to a very high they use these solvents that are very toxic. Mm -hmm. And it really actually destroys the benefits. So but if you found like a natural, you know, so like edamame or something, these things are not necessarily these are good. These, you know, which is that's a topic for another day, but um Getting back to the raw milk, when you were talking about the fatty acids, um, I thought it was interesting that it had also more copper, iron, and B vitamins, and it had a higher rate of lipase and protease, which are enzymes that help us break down and digest it. Mm -hmm. So it's like Mother Nature put all these things in. Well, what happens to it when we pasteurize it and homogenize it? It's killing everything. It's killing all the natural bacteria, and you're losing all these enzymes and all these beneficial things that are, are somewhat fragile um, and don't tolerate the heating process. You will see advertised, and it'll say, like, low-heat pasteurization, and that is somewhat better. But the homogenization actually changes the shape of the proteins yeah. and the fatty acids. So it's actually ruining it. So if you get raw milk, it's going to have chunks of fat like floating on it. And you have to be okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with it because I know what it's doing to my body. And I will tell you that when I, through my process of healing from my autoimmune, um, when I tried the raw milk, I it was a significant change. I, my gut was functioning much better. And um, there's some, there is a die-off reaction that can happen when you have negative bacteria. And when they die off, they kind of release a lot of toxins. And Basically like a cleansing situation. Yeah, and I actually felt, I did feel like I experienced that. Um, and it goes away pretty quickly. But so those are some of my... Um, views or or you know personal experiences with raw milk um which we're gonna tr well you've had it and can, is how's the taste compared to regular milk you should see the color of it it's like yellowish right it's so yellow and that's what you want to look for um when you look even at butter you'll notice that grass-fed butter is is much more yellow oh, yeah. and that's that is the cla content you know, contributes to that coloring yeah. too. The conjugated linoleic acid. Yeah. So, um, so that, you know, that's something that you want to pay attention to. Yeah. And if you're not going to get whole raw milk, the next best thing, and even for people that have a lactose problem is that kefir, yes. that fermented milk. 
and that's a so basically during the fermentation process the uh it, the sugars ferment the lactose kind of gets eaten away from the kefir grain correct yeah. so yep. there is no lactose in it if you're lactose intolerant you could have kefir and you should be totally fine and you're getting billions of probiotics and uh, living organisms in there super super good for you and again super high in protein uh, i i've done both i've done the low fat and the full fat i would go full fat yeah because you're I getting full fat but i you know i haven't found a grass-fed kefir i know there isn't really a good kefir because i'm super picky and they'll add like sugar back into it which i don't like you can get the plain right but you know what i mean like yeah. some of them it's like ah oh, this is too much sugar still Well, and that's so i've had i've told people go try kefir and they <laughs> they get like the strawberry kefir i'm like dude you're having an ice cream sundae right like, you know? yeah yeah you're getting some probiotics but it's so, like you're 30 grams of sugar in a cup i took the raw milk and i made my own kefir oh. okay with it and um kefir grains yeah i use the kefir grains it's a little bit tricky because the grains kind of get stronger the more you use them and they, mm. they multiply okay so you'll you know you'll end up with a lot more grains yeah and i feel like if you don't use them for a while they kind of get dormant yeah. that's just my experience and the temperature in your house so like if you do it in the summer it's gonna quick it's gonna be quicker so I've tried it with regular milk, and I've tried it with the, the raw milk also. And it's different. They yeah. don't I, – I had one time where I really couldn't even get the um, – I couldn't get it to turn into kefir from regular milk. Hmm. It just wouldn't do it. I don't know just why. Just pasteurized milk? Yeah, just regular pasteurized well, milk. Well, the, en the enzymes. So I, I don't know if I that's what it was. Um, Are you supposed to be able to turn regular milk yes, into kefir? Yes, okay. yeah. Maybe we should try that. Uh, that'd be that'd be a fun little experiment. We yeah. make our own kefir with some of the raw milk we get. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, but it, it, it does have a taste. And I think we probably talked about this on our uh, gut bacteria episode, but it does have a taste like Greek yogurt. I love Greek yogurt. It kind of tastes like uh, my my boss and my business partner Danny would describe it as spoiled milk. Yes, but. <laughs> You know, that has that sour Greek yogurt flavor. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, when when I get past the, the earthiness, and I actually enjoy that about food now, that fermentation, earthy, I like that in food because I can associate associate it with good health. You know, I think that's, for me, that, that that's how I can get past it anyways. Yeah. Um, and, and it does, the, the grass-fed milk does taste different. It does take a, ta to me, it tastes, like you said, a little bit more earthy than yeah. regular milk does. Like kind of like a grass-fed steak would. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you're, if, you're, if you're okay with that, then, you know, then go for it. Or at least just give it a try. And another, one, another issue that we found when researching why is it so demonized what why do people why are people against milk well not only are some people lactose intolerant and like we just spoke about if you are probably stay away from it actually you should stay away from it but also the saturated fat content and for years people have been saying how horrible saturated fat is puts you at risk of heart disease high cholesterol 
but we know that saturated fat actually isn't the cause of these diseases. And it's actually, you know, a good grass-fed steak or, or, or cow with the milk is actually very healthy. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I don't, I've been listening to a lot of experts recently talk about uh, the fact that the complete misinformation about saturated fats and that like you and I were talking just a little bit earlier, it's the sum of the whole. If you're eating saturated fats from McDonald's and you have a Diet Coke with it and some, you know, French fries or whatever, and you have it on a, a bun that's, you know, processed, processed and has so much garbage versus you having a grass-fed burger on a bed of greens sauteed in olive oil, that's a totally different yeah. thing. It's mm -hmm. the sum of your whole diet. You need all of the different nutrients to work together so that, you know, and you wouldn't be having all these processed fats, which is really the culprit. The root of inflammation is in some of these omega-6 fats that are highly processed and they're not anywhere near their natural form anymore. Yeah. Right, which is causing a lot of inflammation. The yeah, too much omega sixes. Yeah, a lot yeah. of inflammation there. So, as far as milk goes and dairy, I think it's safe to say it's healthy and safe to eat. Now, I wouldn't go off the rails and drink a gallon of milk a day, but small consumption and a little bit of consumption each day is going to have a host of benefits. Not only is your body able to break down and absorb it, use that protein uh, and all those amino acids. But we found with things like kefir, it's going to be really good for your gut. Does this mean you should stay away from like nut milks and nut juices? No. I, again, I don't, I don't see a problem if you're getting the, you know, no sugar added like Angie was talking about. In fact, now she's the dietitian, so she can speak better about this than me. But if you are losing weight, and you're somebody who really likes milk, maybe supplementing a, a cup of almond milk or cashew milk, you know, to cut some of the, the calories a little bit and fat a little bit could be better. I don't know, you know, because it is a lot less calories. Yeah. So I, you, I think I would just say stick with fermented. For, stick with fermented. Because, okay. you know, there's so much research to show that these probiotics actually improve metabolism. Yeah. And like whey protein powder has been shown to contribute to increases in glutathione levels. Mm. So it, there's cysteine. Our, our there's major there's an amino acid called cysteine that's in whey. And that is crucial to uh, producing glutathione. Yeah. And the more you can reduce inflammation in your body, the better your metabolism is going to be. So at the beginning of the show, Angie, you talked about environmental issues that for why people might stay away from drinking milk. And I think it goes without saying recently there's been huge talk about cows giving off so much methane that's destroying our environment and atmosphere. Uh, but you were, you were talking to me early about earlier about how this, how cows are actually helping our soil and our planet in general. So here's what's interesting. In the 1700s, there were about 168 million ruminant animals, which were bison for the most part. 
And in the United States, we have about 90 million cows. So we've reduced our ruminant population. And yet, because of traditional farming practices, our soil isn't doing the job that it should do, which is taking CO2 and transferring that into plants where it can be utilized for nutrients. So there's this whole biological system that's all designed to manage CO2 levels and you know this kind of thing. Um, so when you look at some of the new research coming out, they're actually saying the opposite. They're saying we need cows, we need ruminant animals, but we need to get them back on pasture so that they can actually the 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 feces or you know uh, <laughs> the feces, dung the manure whatever the manure is actually part of what regenerates the soil and enriches it so that the plants can grow and that they have the proper nutrient balance mm -hmm. so our answer might be in changing the way that we are raising the dairy cattle and getting making sure that they do get back out on the pasture versus maybe staying in a uh you know a more confined area and so i love what you said on our last podcast because you said something about what the whales eat and then it you know you eat the whale when we were talking about the yeah, alaskan yeah. and how then that benefits and it's the same thing with the animals so whatever the cows go out and they eat the grass, and we can't eat grass and get nutrients out of it, but those, they, they process it and put it into a form. So when we consume what they have, then it's benefiting us in the end. Mm. And they say that right now, the way that we're farming with pesticides, we have about 60 years left, and we, we, we aren't going to have any viability out of our soil at all. So I see cows as an answer to a big problem. Wow. Because as far as I know, we're not going to reproduce the bison population to 168 million. <laughs> um, and, nice. you know, all those years of those animals just grazing on pasture in the United States is what gave us this abundance that we have. So if we're smart, we're going to hopefully uh, there's some really good researchers out there that are trying to put out the new information and kind of dispel some of the myths or misinformation, I would say, that, that is out there regarding the role of animals. They were also talking about shellfish produce a ton of methane. And, you know, there's other ruminants like, you know, there's elk and there's moose and things like that. There's actually people out there suggesting that we should wipe out shellfish <laughs> And we should wipe out the moose to save the world. I mean, that is insane. That's, yeah. So if you're thinking about it from environmental, I really encourage you. And next time we do a podcast, let's try to come up with some of the actual studies yeah. and, you know, go into it a little bit more. Because I think it's so important that people really understand. I think people care and they want to support the environment. Um, but they were saying, like, the Impossible Burgers, those produce a lot more pollution well and in that the process yeah and that makes me think because it, it's pushed super hard in just in, in our media that the cows are, are bad because they're producing this all this methane 
is this are these the big companies the vegan companies the beyond burger all these things is that what's driving this idea of cows are are bad for the environment probably i would probably I'm, I'm sure they have a lot of money in that um but yeah yep let's support the farmers support local uh look for grass-fed uh, if you don't want to do milk and you want to reduce your carbohydrate content, go with the fermented sources that are going to be super rich in, in probiotics and all these types of proteins and enzymes and fatty acids that your body needs. And, you know, I think if you, if you want to do something good for our planet, then that's also the way to go about it is support someone in your neighborhood that's doing things well and, and go that way. Yeah, pasture-raised, grass-fed milk would be a great option. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we have today. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to another episode. Always a pleasure to have you, Angie. She's now co-hosting with me. We'll catch you guys on another episode of the Health on 10 podcast. Keep your health on 10.